Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we're talking about Slice from 2018, directed and written by Austin Vesley, starring Zazie Beetz, Chance the Rapper, Paul Shear, and Chris Parnell. This movie is about a town populated with ghosts and a werewolf, uh, and the town wonders who is to blame for the murder of a pizza delivery boy. For this episode, we are joined by a good friend of ours and an unofficial podcast consultant, uh, our good friend Alex Buden. Thanks for joining us on this one, Alex. Thanks, guys. I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. Uh, listeners, Alex kind of was our, I said he was our podcast consultant in the early days. We recorded some test episodes and kind of bounced them over to Alex, and he told us what was working and what wasn't working. So he was, you were our first listener aside from our wives, assuming Ashvin's wife has listened. Does your wife listen, Ashvin? Uh, that's a really good question. I don't think I've ever asked her. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it's one of those things we don't bring up because it's like awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, she doesn't listen. Yeah, it's, that's confirmed. Yeah, <laughs> well, I guess then the, the listeners yeah. have me to blame for uh, some of the weird formatting and suggestions. I, I, I think they're working, so at least you have one satisfied podcaster. The whole fake break was all Alex's idea. <laughs> Just break it up a little bit. That's where it comes well, from. Well, and uh, I, I said to you guys before we got on that I have some ideas about the fake break that I really feel like, you know, mo- you know, most podcasts out there, they're going to a real break where they've got paid advertisements. But since uh, you guys don't have sponsorship yet, uh, using Ashvin's technical and musical skills, I feel like you guys should record like fake commercials, like... Uh, sort of grindhouse style where you just sort of gorilla in maybe teases for the next movie or I don't know, something just to be goofy and funny. You know, we do come up with like a lot of like alternative plots based on that are like inspired from the episodes we do. So I wonder if maybe we use those breaks as a way to flesh those out a bit more. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. That's how we can advertise for our Christopher Columbus movie that we're going to make. Yes. The real story, <laughs> how it really went down. Yeah. Yeah, the horrors. Uh, there's actually a really good pos- podcast called um, Cocktail Party Massacre, and they do that to great effect. It's really funny. They'll do, like, fake previews. Yeah. But, yeah, like we, idea. we should take a, take a whirl at that. Um, well, Alex, for the listeners, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Maybe plug yourself a little bit for our Northeast Ohio listeners? Sure. Yeah. So, um, the two of the three of us, we all go back together to Northeast Ohio. We went to school together in Oxford, um, Brian and I, and then Ashvin, you and I got to know each other through a mutual friend. Uh, I lived with Brian and Ashvin partially part-time in Chicago uh, before moving back to Cleveland to open up a bar and restaurant uh, on the near north side of Ohio City on the west side of Cleveland called Jukebox. The best place in the world. Best place in the world. How long have you guys been open? So we opened in August of 2014, so it'll be five years uh, this summer, and uh, it's been great. We're in a highly evolved and developing area. 
Uh, when we came into the neighborhood, we were a part of an upstart of a bunch of new small businesses and became a part of an entrepreneurial community of first-time business owners and uh, of sort of the rebirth of the Rust Belt cities uh, as it goes. Cleveland is uh, doing a lot of really cool things, and I feel like I was able to get on, in on the ground floor of something pretty special. So now there's a ton of development around us, and uh, people, uh, you know, I moved out of Cleveland in 2000 seven as a young 20 something saying there's not much to do here there's not many single women here and i want to sort of broaden my horizons ultimately ending up in chicago and the city that uh cleveland is today is just uh, vastly different from that time yeah it's been pretty amazing i mean i don't live there anymore but just coming back every few months it's almost more drastic because because i don't see it every day so i come back and things are so different um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Really cool to see. And, and I think you can attest, uh, as you've spent more time back in Cleveland with me being back, uh, in this area, uh, the, the strides that it makes as a city seem to be swifter, um, uh, than they've ever, than you can imagine that if, if you come back after three months or six months, you can't believe the stuff that's changed in that short amount of time. It's, it's really cool to see. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think I speak for both Ashvin and myself when I say Jukebox is really, truly an awesome place, and I love hanging out there, and I would go there even if you didn't own it, even if my <laughs> arch nemesis owned it. Um, yeah. Well, that's... I have something to tell you, Brian. <laughs> You've sold it to my arch nemesis, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, easily, easily the best bar in Cleveland, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, thanks, guys. Yeah. So I'm obviously qualified to come on this horror movie po- uh, podcast. I don't watch horror movies, and uh, I own a bar and <laughs> music joints. So. Well, that, was, that transitions into my next question. I was going to ask you to expand on your history with horror movies. I think not only do you not watch horror movies, but it seems like you have a bit of a morbid curiosity about them. Yes. Well, I would say in general, I... I am interested in cinema, um, but I have one big challenge in that I don't have a lot of time uh, and don't really want to see everything. But I am curious about just sort of what's going on in these, you know, what when you extend these two and a half minute trailers that you see online and on TV, I say, I'm never going to see that movie. I just want to know exactly what happens. What how do I make sense of this? And so with horror movies, it's even more uh, demonstrative because I literally will never see them. I'm afraid of my own shadow. I have been since I was a little kid. I had nightmares about the movie E.T. It's deep rooted. And yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Brian knows well that I was even uh, as a young kid. Uh, taken to uh, a, psych- a child psychiatrist to help rid me of my ET dreams. Uh, <laughs> that was <laughs> really scarring me. So yeah, so I've missed out on a lot of you know you know standards in the horror movie or ch- even like childlike horror movie genre. I've never seen the Goonies. I've never seen the uh, Little Monsters, but uh, intimately familiar with all of them. Just via thank you Wikipedia. Yeah. Do you watch? Uh, do you watch like uh, Stranger Things or Black Mirror, or, like that that category of scary? No, um, not, I've never seen either of them. I doubt I will ever watch either of them. But I, I am somewhat of a, a historical buff in that I did watch a lot of Twilight Zone when I was younger. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I okay. I do have some nostalgia for that. You can find free episodes of like all of the old Twilight Zones on maybe through Hulu or something. So I've even gone back and watch some of those. But like when I see what Jordan Peele's doing with 
the Twilight Zone now. It looks a little too close to something like Black Mirror, and I can't. I just don't think I can do it. Sure. Um, that series has gotten some underwhelming reviews from what I've seen as well. Right. Um, and they aren't. Yeah. Well, they didn't make it easy. It's hard to access, right? It's like only through the CBS yep. app. That's the only way to do it. So no, I think it's <laughs> got the CBS app. Yeah, I have a feeling it's probably underwatched, and and he's not yeah. writing any of the uh, episodes, from what I understand. So I think some of them are a bit subpar. Definitely, there was a big cast of characters in it, though. Like a bunch of recognizable faces were getting involved in it. Right. So I, I'm still curious. Yeah, but, me too. But. Uh, um. So, Alex, what then intrigued you about Slice? Well, I've been uh, not so subtly trying to get on this podcast that I helped curate <laughs> um, for since the very beginning. And so I thought that the most appropriate way would be to bring some sort of a, like a com- comedic bend to it, something that isn't a, t- a typical horror movie, even something like Hereditary or Get Out is maybe a little bit beyond me. So I listened to a podcast that's hosted by Paul Shear, and I had heard him plugging this movie probably six months ago or so. And it was something where, and Brian, I know you're uh, all about not seeing trailers and whatnot. This, that was, I didn't really watch anything about it. I just sort of was following his description and the people that were in it. And I was like, this sounds maybe dark and funny and weird and it had some people in it that sounded interesting so that's it that's sort of where it came out of and I feel like I need to apologize I know we're going to get into the uh the the rest of the general feelings of this movie but if for no other reason then I sort of feel obligated to say that in every categorical description I've seen of it it describes it as horror and there's very little horror in this movie if at all yeah, yeah, it's yeah. called a horror comedy pretty much everywhere. Um, and yeah, it's it's very light on the horror. And and that's kind of been a topic of conversation with us on previous episodes. What is horror? Um, it's very horror-themed, like there's werewolves and ghosts and witches, but there there's nothing actually scary about this movie. And it's I Brian's think kind of movie. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's an argument Ashvin and I have had, like... I think something can be called a horror movie even if there's nothing scary about it because it's based off of horror themes or even horror intellectual properties. But but yeah. Yeah, I, no, Go ahead, Ash. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that that's like sci fi fantasy if you're just gonna have like the horror themes or like those characters but not none of the scares. I yeah, I am just not sure how that qualifies as horror. Sure. Yeah. You might be right. You might be yeah. right. Um but yeah, speaking of apologizing for this movie, A24 <laughs> did not release this movie very confidently. Um, I think that was probably another thing. I was intrigued by this movie too, even though it didn't get a ton of press. But A24 is the entertainment company that distributed The Witch, Hereditary, Green Room, Eighth Grade, Ex Machina. So usually they've kind of become synonymous with quality. But they just kind of snuck this movie out on... They did a one-day-only theatrical release, which I didn't even realize, and then released it on video on demand the next day. I think it was like very limited theaters, too, right? It wasn't like nationwide or anything. No, it was only in Atlanta, Chicago, New York, and L.A., and I think even then probably just a small amount of theaters in each of those places. Right. Yeah, I think Chicago probably had the biggest release. The movie was 
largely filmed there and had a lot of principals from the Chicago area. But right. mm-hmm. yeah, I, it was I, the only when by the time it was on my radar, it was already streaming for free on Amazon. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Alex, this may be a really stupid question or a naive question, but like I sometimes think about like the business of movies and as a business owner, knowing you've got something that you've put money into that doesn't work or a product you thought would pay off, but doesn't like, do you have to enact that philosophy of like, I'm not going to put good money after bad and, and dump it. You got to believe so. Um, I don't deal in that sort of like a, a trade. I think that if you're looking at people that are invest, uh, you know, uh, venture capital where they're investing in a bunch of different types of businesses, they sort of factor in that only so many of them are going to go and that they just cut bait on it. I deal with things that are much more personal. And so like letting go of something would be really challenging to just sort of roll off. But I don't know what the budget was for this movie. I'm sure, Brian, you did some of that research. But to me, this feels like a low budget. It's intended to be that. I don't know that even though A20, I agree with you that A24 uh, has this uh, high quality bandwidth. I don't know when this movie was filmed. And they're still a pretty young production house that some of their success has been more recently. Like they're, they really became um, uh, sort of more uh credentialed in Hollywood when they won back-to-back Best Picture Oscars, uh, Oscar awards with Lady Bird and Moonlight. I don't know if they both won Best Picture, but those were both under their direction. And you talked about a couple of the horror movies, but um, I don't know. I, it, it, to me, somebody was disappointed here. The studio that produced it probably was the one that made the harsh cut, but the director and all those people were I'm sure disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. And you do, I mean, you don't expect them to spend a whole lot of money on a low budget movie. You're not going to spend way more than you spend on the movie promoting it. But yeah, we've just talked about that a lot with like, uh, we talked about mercy black recently, Ashvin and Bloomhouse just dumping that on a video on demand without telling anybody on Netflix, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just, that almost seems like its own strategy. And sometimes right. though, like that you just want to gorilla, get it out there. And I mean, we've seen that happen with, I don't know, even just like the fire festival documentaries where it was like, I didn't know this was a thing. And then all of a sudden it's the biggest pop culture sensation for like, right, a week. right. Yeah. You don't have yeah. a lot of money to promote it. So you just let it, let it kind of grow by word of mouth. I thought this one did have like a decent buzz leading up to it. I think Chance the Rapper announced he was a part of it like two years ago or something, and it's kind of been a long time in the making, people anticipating it. And even the the trailers, I don't know if you guys saw them yet, but they're actually pretty cool. And um, I, yeah, I'm surprised it kind of just released very quietly. Yeah, well, the, what's interesting is that I guess, so this, the director, Austin, Austin Presley, I don't have it in front of me, but... He, I guess, got his start in Chicago by making uh, music videos. He got connected with like Vic Mensa and Chance, and that's when his like filmmaking, short filmmaking career really took off. And so he had this close relationship with Chance as a rapper, and he had like conceptualized the idea of a horror movie about a werewolf vigilante uh, pizza thing concept. And Chance just put it up on his Instagram and was like, "We're making oh, this yeah. movie." 
And and I I read an interview with this kid where he was like, I spent like five weeks just like freaking out about (laughs) having to back up this concept (laughs) and move forward with it. So, um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, Alex, right? I mean, like, anytime someone like Chance the Rapper kind of puts uh, something out there like that, you automatically have, like, millions of people who are suddenly aware of it in the hype's building. So I, I guess that's outside of A24's efforts. Well, they w- did do something that I read about, although I didn't have the time to Google, but apparently they did, a, like, a staggered marketing campaign with this where they released, like, first a uh, Little Caesars, f- like, a fake Little Caesars poster that I'm assuming has like splattered blood on it and is like a teaser poster for this movie. And then a few months later, they released a similarly mysterious Domino's version. And then another couple months later, they released a Pizza Hut version. So it was like building up towards this like murderous pizza pizza delivery thing. And and maybe some of that was done again without really a finished product in the can, just them thinking, let's just get a ton of buzz going for this movie. Yeah, it's a cold brand. Yeah, the uh, the little Caesar guy didn't have a head in that advertisement. They were actually pretty cool posters. Yeah, I, it sounded like it. Mm-hmm. This movie has style. I will give it that in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is very stylistic. It feels like a music video at times, so just like a disjointed one. It's like it doesn't know what music video it is because it'll pivot to these like serious like 80s synth, and then it's like sort of jokey. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a very hard transition. I feel like to make going from you know doing a bunch of music videos to suddenly trying to do a feature length film. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I think you kind of feel that throughout the whole film. Well, that's interesting. That gives me more perspective. What you said, Alex, about Austin kind of being like, "Oh, like I just mentioned this idea, and now it's happening." Yeah, you got kind an influencer like, like Chance. You know, he's right. going to make it happen. He's going to give you your chance. <laughs> um, well, anybody else have? Any hard, interesting background on this movie, or should we push things along? I think, I, I think the director lives in my neighborhood. Really? Uh, yeah, Austin. I, you know, I read a few articles, and he's all like Logan Square. So I, I think he's still around. So yeah, <laughs> if ever listens to this. Yeah, I saw that as well, uh, Ashman. He was. Did, they were. He was having an interview, and somebody dropped that he was like eating a salad at a popular Logan Square restaurant or something. Yeah. A kill, a kill salad. I can think of like two or three places in Logan that I'll start hanging out at to see if I see him. <laughs> um, the lead singer of Animal Collective lives in Asheville, so I'm always like, I've got one eye open looking for him. <laughs> nice. Um, Celebrity sightings. Well, I will close with uh, this movie. One of the big names is Chris Parnell, who is an SNL alum. And Alex, maybe you know this. I don't know if Ashvin does. That SNL, there's an SNL alum that grew up very close to where Alex grew up. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Vanessa Bear. She graduated from Orange High School in 2000. Yeah, that's true. Wow. She came through that's the awesome. Chicago, uh, I believe, Second City. Um, she was part of that. When she got cast into SNL, there was like a three or four people that came out of the Chicago improv scene uh, during that time. I don't know that anybody lasted there uh, more than she did, but yeah, she was there. I, I also thought you could be referring to, even though we wouldn't, I didn't technically grow up together, but uh, Molly Shannon is also from Shaker Heights. Um, oh, is she? I didn't know that. Oh, cool. Yeah. So she's and she from, probably would have actually overlapped with Chris Parnell a little bit. 
Uh, yeah, perhaps he's a, he's sneaky old. Um, cause he, cause he sort of has looked the same forever, but, um, he was old even when he was on Saturday night live, like with that lazy Sunday video, he's like in his like late thirties with Andy Samberg, who's like in his mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't really age. Yeah. Is that um, your, is that your Northeast Ohio connection? That's, that's my pathetic Northeast <laughs> Ohio connection. They're getting worse and worse. Okay. Well, um, I'll give you one of my Northeast Ohio connections right now. Oh, if I nice. may. You know, I thought maybe you would have better ones than me. Go for it. So, all right. So as we were talking about, um, Austin Vesley, the director and writer of this movie, um, it sounds like he has still has gotten, uh, stayed into his lane of making music videos. He continues to make music videos for chance, but he was invited, um, last year to be a consulting producer on the HBO uh, show, The Shop, which is hosted and created by LeBron James, who's from Brian's hometown of Akron, Ohio. There you go. Nice Nice. job. And you have another one? I do, but um, I'm going to let that one come out a little later on. All right. All right, cool. (laughs) Well, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. This is... This, I need to have another consulting session with you. <laughs> well, this is the life of a super fan. I, I, I trolled the internet for two days trying to find as, <laughs> as many as I could. I could only come up with two. I was really hoping to find out that the first uh, pizza delivery was in, you know, you know <laughs> Dayton, Ohio or something. <laughs> yeah. Pepperoni is named after Pepperoni, Ohio. <laughs> um, yeah, I've spent so many episodes where I'm like, I look up at the clock and I've spent like 45 minutes combing the internet for an Ohio fact. And I'm like, <laughs> no more. Yeah. You got to um, draw the line somewhere. Yeah. So I, I take the easy outs now. Nice. Okay, guys. Yeah. Well, let's, let's move on to the plot. But before we do, I ordered a pizza and I think I just heard the doorbell ring. I'll be right back. Okay, guys, I'm back. Uh, I took a really nasty spill on the way to the door. I tripped over one of my son's toys. And when I finally got to the door, the pizza guy was dead. And then uh, <laughs> okay. on my walk back here, I noticed my own dead body on the floor where I tripped over that toy. So it turns out I'm dead, too. And uh, just like in the movie, the fact that I'm a ghost that can live amongst humans has zero implications for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or on your overall demeanor. You seem unfazed by it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're still doing the podcast. <laughs> so there are some things about this movie that make zero sense to me, but we'll we'll get into that. Also, I'm gonna proceed with caution because we're learning that sometimes the people that are involved in these movies listen to the, our episodes, so I don't want to be too harsh. Um <laughs> but anyway, for the plot, we open with the traditional horror movie hook of the first kill, a pizza delivery guy standing at a door and his throat gets slit by an unseen assailant. Then we run credits, and this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. During the credits, there's this really cool animated sequence, like an animated intro. Yeah. Uh, just yeah, really that was, cool that was, style. That's so retro. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so, Brian, before we get too far into that, I that that intro, though, that you just described was obviously formulaic, but didn't you want it to be like, 
even a little bit suspenseful. It was like 30 mm. seconds. It just was there like, was, it was over. It was rough. Yeah. Yeah, there was no suspense. Yeah. It's just like he's standing there and all of a sudden a knife comes up, slits his throat, and that's that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a little sidebar, do you know that that pizza guy that gets killed, Sean, is played by the director, Austin Vesely? Oh, that's him? Mm, I did not know that. I yeah, I him. thought Austin looked kind of like that guy, but I, I didn't see that written anywhere. You did, did your digging on this, Alex. I did. Well, yeah. <laughs> I started looking at people in the cast, and I was like, oh. This is the same guy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Anyways, um, the intro was the intro sequence though had me actually excited about the movie at that point though because the first part was so disappointing, but it was like, all right, but this the graphics of this are cool and the music was cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the opening kind of presented the movie as kind of like a slasher though. Like I, I kind of had some scream vibes or something. Did Did you guys get that? That was what I didn't look into this movie too much, but I had always thought it was a slasher. Oh, with the name Slice, yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess that doubles. Okay. Um, Good call. But yeah, I agree with you, Alex. I was excited for the movie. I was excited for the movie in general, and that animated sequence got me pumped. I was actually eating pizza while I watched this movie. I got, <laughs> I got all in the mood. Um, so the movie continues with a. It cuts to a political promotion video kind of like a grainy hokey um video for the mayor and explains that the backstory for the entire town there was a sanitarium with a mass grave and a whole bunch of ghosts and the ghosts were relocated to their own part of town the mass grave was paved over and a strip mall was built over at the mass grave so this is all kind of like in a campaign promotion for him um and then there was also some narration up front, I think sometime before this, that let us know that there was a werewolf in the town at one point, and now he's back. So right up front, there's a lot going on. There are ghosts that live in this town. There was a billboard that said population 90,000, ghosts 40,000. And there's a werewolf, and there's a, a killer on the loose. So I was not expecting this kind of genre mashup, but... Um, is that is that kind of like how uh, Twilight is? Isn't that like a bunch of like people living alongside of werewolves and vampires and stuff like that? I don't. I've I, never I seen those movies. Yeah, me neither. I, I haven't either. I assume it's in a world where it's normal. Otherwise, there'd be a lot of people like <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we move on to a town meeting about the murder and it's revealed that there's tension in the town about the segregated ghost population. Some people suspect they might have something to do with this. There's also a political activist group of very vocal women who think the strip mall should be demolished to honor the old site of the mass grave. And then maybe these killings will stop. Meanwhile, nobody knows who killed this pizza dude and slowly the pizza shop employees start to drop off one by one. The cop's prime suspect is Chance the Rapper, who plays a werewolf that came back to town. He was suspected in a string of delivery murders a few years ago from a Chinese restaurant in town. And the plot thickens when, this kind of shocked me because it was just dumbfounding, a local journalist, she does a lot of research and discovers that the Chinese place where the murders were happening, called Yummy Yummy Chinese Food, was in the same location as the pizza place. Yeah, there's some somebody, I can't remember if it's one of the police officers or the mayor, indicates, ha, has some sort of leading uh, part of the, what they're describing. And they say, like, we don't want this to happen again. 
And so she right. starts like combing the internet, trying to figure out what she means, what they mean by again. And start, she's like Googling, Googling like food, food murders or something. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I found it. Yeah. And she like finds the address and compares it to the pizza place. Like in this town of 90,000 people, you wouldn't know that. <laughs> the place that the murders happened now reopened under a new yeah it was confusing well and that we you know jumping ahead to realizing that the werewolf is chance the rapper and that like he was a suspect of you know many years ago so long ago that this person wouldn't remember it um as a chinese place as this you know this string of murders i don't know they've got ghosts to worry about too They're... yeah yeah so lots to remember yeah. in this town um, so the journalist kind of becomes a bit of a mannish character as she's trying to get to the bottom of this. Um, another one would be a woman who works at the pizza place named Astrid, who seemed like she had a close relationship with a dude at the beginning of the film who got murdered. She ultimately gets killed while she's digging around and comes back immediately as a ghost, which I think that was kind of a running gag they tried to get a few times in this movie. Somebody like looking down at their corpse and being like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But very um, laissez-faire, just like, oh, man. And then they continue <laughs> yeah. on with whatever yeah. mission they were on. It's like nothing changes. Uh, no uh, no big deal. Yeah. I, I would like to back. I'd like to go back just briefly because I, I do think that, like, the pizza place and those scenes are important for later in the movie. They introduce the way that even Astrid is introduced. She's at a diner where she must work as well. Um, and you know, people are starting to talk, people are talking about amongst themselves, but they're also sort of indicating that this werewolf might, this person, this name that they throw out there might be back in the mix. And she like, storms out of there and goes back and you meet the owner of the pizza shop and the other drivers the you know at least in the case of one scooter you an obviously predictably you know uh, future death um and but they int- also introduce like the entirety of that group there's a girl named heather uh there's this like they have a random dead guy working there named joe who like somehow these ghosts like can also hold jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was kind of a weird, yeah. weird role in the movie. He also kind of like served as this, like um, kind of like a ghoulish narrator, like yeah. almost kind of a trope in a movie about like, you know, somebody who's tied to the, like an example I feel like with somebody, somebody who's tied to the native American burial ground in the movie and is always giving like these ominous warnings. Yeah, like this yeah, like ten- or something. music tension rises and you're like, this yeah. is supposed to be important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I liked that uh, arrangement of characters, like every personality that was represented with the, the pizza group. I thought it was like kind of a diverse group and they all, all kind of like works off each other in like a funny way. What, what did you guys think? I thought, and yeah, Paul Shear was the manager of the, of the pizza place. Um, yeah. I'll talk more about it in the review, but a lot of that humor fell flat for me. I felt the same way. <laughs> yeah. All right. I knew what they were wanting to do and, uh, it just didn't work. Like it was, it wasn't funny. The character, there wasn't any la- like laugh out loud moments, um, in that pizza shop. And I felt like that's what the point of it was, was to be like levity. Um, but it just, yeah, it didn't land. 
Yeah. And every time Scooter mentioned uh, his older girlfriend, uh, no, you guys didn't get a kick out of that. No, not <laughs> that was another thing where it was just like yeah, they're really re- like you could see so plainly what they were trying to get, and it was just like oof, <laughs> kind of like stereotypes or like a uh, one-dimensional, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's yeah. something about I, I don't know if it was the pacing or the comedic timing or or just the way the jokes were written, but they were they were falling flat for me. But that whole yeah, thing yeah. about having the older girlfriend, that didn't mean anything. It didn't like have any bearing on the movie. <laughs> it's just like it was every opportunity he had to like talk to somebody. It was about this older woman that he was you know, sleeping <laughs> with. And like, I think he yeah. calls her right before he makes the delivery and gets killed. And it's like, why did he have to call her? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like that yeah. itself was in the source of laughs that should have been leading up to something. And it, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. They could have landed that one uh, better, I guess. Yeah. Before we get too far um, ahead, I'd like to drop my second Northeast Ohio yeah. connection. Um, so in the scene where Astrid is like, they're sort of introducing her character in the diner. Uh, it starts where there's like a, another, uh, another server standing, talking to like a customer and another employee at the bar of this cafe. And she's complaining about her husband or baby daddy about arguments that they're having about money. And she complains to uh, Hannibal Burris is in this movie for like a minute and he's sitting there, but she's complaining about her, her, you know, husband or boyfriend or whatever. And she says that he's always complained to her that he doesn't put it, that she doesn't put enough oil in the Chevy Cavalier. And starting in 1981, the Chevy Cavalier was assembled primarily in Lordstown, Ohio, until it ceased oh being God. a vehicle produced by Chevy in 2011. The Lordstown plant was briefly home to the Chevy Cruze before it closed. Uh, it was a highly public uh, national issue between President Trump and, and the automakers. But uh, I caught that little Damn. nugget right at the beginning of the Whoa. movie. <laughs> Wow, that that's, is the that's best. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> did, did you just know that off the top of your head about the Chevrolet or the uh, yeah, the yeah. plant? Like, yeah, if you're driving nice. east towards Pittsburgh, you drive by the Lordstown plant on I think that's 90, and so it typically it for years had a gigantic banner on the side of it that said "Home of the Chevy Cavalier," and then I remember when it changed to the cruise but i was impressed when i went online to see just how long they made the cavalier there that it was almost 30 years uh a little over 30 years of the cavalier out of that area it was produced in other parts of the world but that was the primary assembly site does the cavalier have any ties to the cleveland cavaliers being named the cavaliers no i don't think the Cavs mascot is a car (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's weird <laughs> yeah I just didn't know there was some sort there. of Cleveland history where they got this name Cavaliers no I don't I don't mm-hmm. know I, I, yeah and I, well, I'm bravo, only now Alex, that was that was great <laughs> sure I'm glad Slow you enjoyed clap. it <laughs> yeah that's the best one we've had um okay. not pertinent you never see. see that person again she's a, a, a meaningless character yeah there are a lot of those um so I'm going to, I mean, I'm kind of painting with a broad brush here, but 
Essentially, the plot thickens when it's discovered that there's a gateway to hell in the basement of the pizza place. And the political activist group, who's been very vocal about demolishing the pizza place, are actually a coven of witches who want to get Satan to summon a slave army out of the town's ghost population. So apparently they want the property destroyed to get easier access to the gateway to hell. Unless I'm missing anything there, guys. That sounds about right. Okay. And the trailer revealed the gateway to hell, which I think would have been a bit of a bummer. Like, that was at least one trick the movie had up its sleeve, and it was in the trailer. I did not. I thought it was under the the pizza place. What did you say, Ash? Uh, In the trailer, they call out that the gates of hell are under the pizza restaurant. I think so. I still haven't watched the trailer, but I, I read that it was mentioned in the trailer. Ah, yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. Anyway, this coven of witches is exposed at a town meeting for what they really are, and they somehow use their witch powers to trigger a mass haunting where the ghost population of this town is terrorizing the human population. And I couldn't tell if the ghosts were actually, like, killing people or if they were just hovering around them, (laughs) annoying them. I think it was just annoying them. Wasn't someone like, yeah, I was up all night last night, someone's haunting my place or something? Uh, Yeah, it was all starting to happen pretty fast at this point for me. Yeah. Um, But in the end, there's a big showdown at um, the pizza place, which is, by the way, and I want to talk more about this after we get through the plot, it's called Relax, It's Perfect Pizza Base. Um, So there's a showdown there where the manager sacrifices himself by blowing up the store, thinking it's going to destroy the portal. But this actually opens up the portal, and a bunch of... I guess like a fight breaks out and this is all happening on a full moon. So Chance the Rapper comes, comes there as a werewolf to help save the town. And he essentially teams up with the cops, Astrid and this local reporter, and they succeed in killing all the witches, which ends their plan for the mass ghost haunting. And that wraps it up. We close with a commercial for perfect pizza at their new location. And the manager and some of the other employees are now ghosts because they died throughout the course of the movie. And that's it. What yeah. What did you guys think of that ending? I, I thought the ending felt a, a little rushed. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere, and like the plot kind of fell apart. And uh, I know they were building up like uh, Chance's rapper as this werewolf who's like coming back, but he was barely on screen. And then at the end, he shows up and just kind of saves the day somehow. But it was yeah. only explained like what power he had over the witches or whatever. So uh, yeah, it just felt really rushed and kind of like ungrounded. What about What about you guys? Alex, what do you think? I felt the same way. It felt like they didn't clearly explain that by blowing up the pizza place that it opened up the gate to hell. By the time you figured out that that's what had happened, that he had actually made things worse, all of a sudden, like, we haven't really even talked about these two sort of, you know, doofus police officers that are involved in the whole movie that they end yeah. up like shoot don't they end up shooting her in the head like at the so. end oh, the they, witch. they shoot mm-hmm. the main wish vera in the head and like all of a sudden that ends everything and closes the portal and it all goes back to normal it's it's in a very confusing like four minute sequence right at the end of the movie i mean the whole movie is only like 125 minutes um all right. It's like an hour and 25 minutes. And so like these things happen really quickly and you're just trying to catch up. Like they, I still didn't completely understand the gateway to hell and how it had been functioning. Um, 
I think what we what we haven't talked about is that there was a woman that worked for the pizza shop who was a part of this co- coven of witches and was maybe s- passing secrets into the portal. I, I, it was unclear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. I was like figuring out what happened like 30 seconds after it happened in this. Like the cuts were really fast and a lot happened really fast. And one thing I felt about this movie was that there was just too much going on, not only with the different plot points, but also with the characters. Like there was this oh, journalist, yeah. there was Astrid, there was the rest of the, the crew the, of the pizza place. There was these cops the, that, yeah, we didn't even mention until just now because I, there was just like no time to go through all the characters. There was that a uh, cheese dealer. Yeah, the cheese drug dealer. One of my favorite parts of the movie was the entrance of Big Cheese when they like slow <laughs> yeah. down the music and like they show him stepping out of that car. But it, like a lot of these things, it was very st- most of these things were stylishly set up, but then had no payoff. Like it wasn't funny or interesting or scary or anything. It just was like a lot of build up. Yeah, there was a lot of setting things up and then fizzling out. Yeah, the uh, the other character I'd like to talk a little bit more about is the uh, the mayor, Chris Parnell's character, who yeah, gosh, he is Go ahead. he is pretty much the first character you're introduced to in the whole movie because he's a part of the like political ad uh, at the beginning, and you. He, he reveals himself to be corrupt with the members of that 40,000, you know, ghost protesting organization, the Coven. Um, but they keep having these like complete non sequitur things where people will enter his office and he's like painting a woman's nipples and talking to it. And like a, a hastily made oil on canvas of like a woman. And then there was another time where she, they, she now had three breasts. Did, yeah. Am I missing yeah, I, something? I didn't. I didn't I there were some else. things where I was like, I thought maybe either the movie was chopped up in editing and some things that would have explained other things were dropped from the final cut of the movie. But yeah, there were a lot of jokes where I was just like, am I not smart enough to get this? Or is this just meaningless? Well, I, I think this is like having uh, random jokes, right? Where there's like recurring things. Uh, like, yeah, he's always drawing pictures of, of these breasts. Uh, there's the, the the older girlfriend. And, and these things, like, you feel like they're building up to something, but they never really pay out. But isn't that kind of the joke is just like these random things like needlessly thrown in to the storyline just to, I don't know, throw you off or something? Uh, or, or add some degree of, of uh, I don't know, character, personality? I think maybe that was part of the intention, but I think the reason, at least for me, why that was lost was because of the tone of the movie. They didn't, they were trying to be pretty absurd, but they didn't lean hard enough on the absurd as far as the tone goes. Uh, I don't know. Alex, what do you think of that? Well, yeah. I mean, when it, the, the, when it worked, it, it was like a revelation. Like I'm only reminded of one time in the movie where like, um, so we've talked about how these ghosts, uh, like, are essentially exactly. It's not like you're a zombie, you're or like a you know brain dead. It's just like a like if you got stabbed in the chest, you have like an exposed wound still, but you're just like a you know a human being with that's like gray face paint. 
Um, so sometimes it was difficult to separate like if this person was dead or not. And when the mayor gets up to speak to the town at the end to like sort of reveal that the coven of witches are who they are and whatnot, he's wearing like a neck brace and he looks a little disheveled. And in the previous scene, we believe that he is killed by this co- this woman. And so then she runs up to the, <laughs> to the podium and rips off his <laughs> neck brace to reveal that his entire neck had been like, like completely ripped out on one side. And so his head could only fall to one side. It was being propped up by this. That was the only time I sort of like laughed, like, Oh, I had sort of forgotten that he might be dead. And then he's up there talking, but, uh, (laughs) yeah. And she exposes him like that. That was good. There were these little windows into what the movie was trying to go for. Like, for me, it was at the end, one of the cops, as the werewolf is driving away, and it's a dumb line, but he's like, Godspeed, you Chinese food werewolf. And it's kind <laughs> of like, it, it was so dumb that it was funny, and I thought the rest of the movie wasn't going quite dumb enough, like, trying to mm. spoof other movies in this genre with, like, these cheesy one-liners or just outright ridiculous things, like a head falling off to the side when the neck brace is removed. It didn't... It didn't do that enough. It was just kind of a little bit dumb most of the way through. Well, um, I, yeah, it was a little bit subtle. I yeah. the one thing I did feel is that it there's definitely some sort of a commentary about race happening in this movie, um, in like the way things are yeah. stigmatized, like both from like the ghost population as well as just the werewolf. Um, the idea that like. I, I was asking myself throughout the whole movie because it's so unexplained, but these ghosts are sort of normal. Like they're wandering, they're wandering around. They, in many cases are working jobs or like attend. There's like a couple that attended like a public meeting to like learn about the community. And it was like, that's a dead guy like sitting over there. And so I kept asking myself, like, are we, are you supposed to know that they're like somewhat benign? They just like that just the mayor and this group are stigmatizing the fact that they're, you know, quote unquote bad. And then somebody says something at the end of the movie, it might be one of the police officers or, or one of the pizza people that are talking about the werewolf. And they're like, do we even know if a werewolf is bad? And it's sort of like, Mm -hmm. you have this assumption that a werewolf is bad but even in this community, they're like, well, why do we think that? Like, why do we know that? And it's because it's associated with these past murders. And that was the only, like, attempt I felt like they were making at something bigger than the movie. But it still wasn't great. Yeah. yeah I, I really yeah. appreciated that. I, I thought that was kind of like a smart layer to the uh, movie. Because, yeah, the whole ghost town thing, you know, they're packing all these residents into one area. And the main plot line being around, you know, trying to uh, get rid of this building that's been put up there kind of speaks to gentrification. And you're talking about pushing people off. And then, yeah, the kind of biases that society has against them. And even how, like, in the media, they're portraying them one way. And it was all kind of going on behind the scenes. Uh, I, I thought that was a really clever way of, uh, you know, making some social commentary, which was kind of unexpected, uh, you know, in the premise of the film. I feel like that's another thing they set up and didn't knock down, though. Just because you mentioned that the ghosts are segregated to another part of town and a cop says, like, oh, a werewolf killed my father. Like, I, I don't, it never really got hammered home for me. It, that was one of the problems I had with this movie. It's just like, what are you, 
what are you going to hone in on? Are you going to hone in on the fact that you've got ghosts living among normal people? Are you going to hone in on the fact that there's this werewolf who's back in town who's very misunderstood? Or are you going to hone in on this pizza place where all these people hang out and the employees are starting to die? Like, it was yeah. all over for me. And, and nothing got adequate screen time to me, like we said in the conclusion when the werewolf comes back. You just didn't see much of him on screen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> especially as being the main character. You're right, it was like very broad, especially for how quick of a movie it was and how many characters they had. Like, yeah, they never really kind of focused on um, like a core storyline or a core like character or anything. Um, and speak, although one thing they did do on the tone of that uh, playing to the racism, and one joke that actually did get a laugh for me, one of the pizza employees said something bad about werewolves and Paul Shear was like, hey, that's a stereotype. Put a dollar in the stereotype jar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or but, even that guy talking about how a werewolf killed his dad and like it was a, it was a car accident <laughs> or something. I, yeah. th- I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, he killed his by accidentally hitting him with the car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was another thing where I could see where they were going, but just something about the way they, they executed it didn't land. Um, but that's a subjective opinion. I think, Ashwin, you sa- it sounds like you think this movie was a lot more, a lot funnier than me and Alex think. I thought it was hilarious. I think it just might be over your guys' heads or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so then oh. maybe you can <laughs> maybe you can tell us why it's called Relax It's Pizza Place Base. <laughs> oh my god. That was hilarious. How they would show up to everyone's door and, uh, and ring the bell and yell relax. It's it's the perfect pizza. Isn't that funny? A pizza guy showing up and like yelling that through the door. I, I don't think it is. <laughs> but what is the last time of- pe- the word base doesn't make sense. I like the idea that the, of I do see the humor being like, relax, it's pizza, perfect pizza, but base. Perfect pizza oh, yeah, base? Relax, it's perfect pizza base. Yeah, I don't get the base. And I thought maybe it was supposed to be some sort of joke like, relax, it's just a pizza place. Like, there's no gateway to hell underneath. But <laughs> I don't think that's what they were going for. They, they were saying base? I thought they were saying perfect pizza place. Base, B A S E. Yeah. Oh, that is weird. I did think there were some like funny one-liners throughout the movie. I wrote a few of them down. Um, uh, (laughs) The police um, are interrogating Big Cheese. They arrest him on like a drug possession charge, even though he like, there's some really hammed up acting happening in many uh, of the scenes in this movie. But the one sort of like bully cop is screaming in the face of this drug dealer cheese. And he says that he's like, I couldn't give two squirts of piss <laughs> about you. And it's very out of place. And uh, that made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, the other one is at the end. And I don't remember who said it, but somebody sort of theorizes that, that they believe that cats can speak English. They just choose not to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the Someone cops. Yeah. One of the cops, yeah. I thought, I thought that was, I didn't understand why uh, why he said that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I also thought that it was sort of funny. It didn't really have any <laughs> impact on the movie, but when they finally discover the portal to hell, it's guarded by like an old janitor. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like not really enforcing it. He's just sort of there. He's like, like have a look. <laughs> yeah, 
And I think and they're he, like, he, why he do they have this dead guy guarding the portal? And he's like, dead guy? What? And he sees his buddy and he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I felt like his was the only funny reveal where someone realizes they're, they've died. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was funny. Were you guys impressed by like the level of the cast in here? I mean, you had some like pretty top uh, Hollywood people in there, right? Like comedians and stuff. Yeah, there were a lot of big names, and I don't, I don't know. I didn't think any of them was used to their full potential. Yeah, no, definitely yeah. not. I mean, certainly, if I mean Hannibal Buress, I don't know that he, in my opinion, yet is like you know a a, a great actor. But he just like he pours himself a cup of coffee in this movie and says like <laughs> the werewolf's back. I mean it's like there's no no he brings literally nothing to it. Paul Shear's stuff. I think he was supposed to be the comic relief in that pizza shop. And like you said, Brian, <clears throat> it didn't always work. Um, I I read a little bit about some of the other people. The journalist who sort of narrates the whole thing and she's like the investigator. Her and the one of the main cops like uh, are out of the Steppenwolf scene in Chicago, and so oh. um, okay. so I read somewhere that the uh, the area code on the on the pizza shop was three one two, which is a Chicago area code, and and so generally right. it seems like everything happened through there. So I, I'm I'm wondering if it's just not uh, a coincidence that these are like working actors in Chicago. Um, Right. Uh, Zazzy Beats is probably the you know the hippest um, name in here in terms of known actor actors or actresses. She's been um, you know she's been in a bunch of stuff. A- Atlanta. She was in the most recent Deadpool movie. Um, so she's qualified. I saw her in a movie. Uh, I think she was in this movie called Thank You for uh, uh, Sorry. Sorry to bother you. Which was uh, oh, is that she in that? Yeah. If I might be mistaking her with uh, Tessa Thompson, which I think the two of them are uh, sometimes I get them confused. But either way, that's sort of a wacky uh, movie with some some of the same people that do Atlanta. So I feel like it's her. But mm-hmm. um, anyways, yeah. So, but like Chance hasn't really done anything that I've that I know of, and Paul Shear uh, is like a character uh, actor. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Paul Shear and Chris Barnell are two guys that I've seen with very small roles and things that are very funny roles. Like Chris Parnell is the doctor in 30 Rock. Um, and Paul Shear has, he's done like bit parts on 30 Rock. And then he was like the kaboom guy from Parks and Rec. Like, and they're really oh, funny yeah. when they're on those shows. And I, I think it was the writing. Like, they just, they weren't given material that they could really use, in my opinion. Yeah, Paul Shear also was uh, sort of got his big break with MTV and a show called Human Giant, which had Aziz Ansari and Rob Hubel, that like trio comedy show. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on The League uh, as a main character as well. Um, but yeah, these guys, I mean, I that's why I took his review and was like, he's funny. And he named some of the people that were in it. I was like, if I, I'm sure I heard Chris Parnell's name and he always makes me chuckle. It's like, all right, well this movie should be pretty good and maybe artsy stylish. And it had some elements of that, but even for somebody who does not like horror movies, I wanted a little more. <laughs> yeah. A little yeah. Oscar. Yeah. Agree. Um, so zero to five coins dropped in the stereotype jar. What would you guys give this? We'll start with uh, we'll start with Alex. 
So uh, I'm a pretty harsh grader um, in general. I do. I've started using the uh, the Flixster. I think it's the Flixster app, which uh, mm. is like connected with Rotten Tomatoes. So whenever I see any movies, old or new, I make a point to rate them. And so there's, you know, I have a somewhat of a reference point when I go back. Uh, this movie failed at being a horror movie, in my opinion. Um, it also failed as a true comedy. It was sort of nothing. Is But it's also not the worst movie I've seen. So I give this a two-star review. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Ashwin, how about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you guys said. I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it's not really horror, uh, not, not that scary. Uh, but I, I thought the writing was pretty original. I, I kind of enjoyed the the jokes. And I think just because we've seen like so many scary scary movies uh, these last few rounds, it's kind of good to get uh, you know break the mold a bit and see something a little refreshing. Um, and uh, I, yeah, really stylistic and everything. But the plot, um, you know, had a lot of holes in it and kind of felt rushed at the end. But still, I'd give it like I, I think I'd give it at least three uh, coins in the stereotype jar. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Alex. I was tempted to give it a little lower, but uh, I give it a two. Yeah, there wasn't much horror, and even though we all kind of recounted some lines that made us laugh, there were it wasn't like their batting average was high. Like They were swinging pretty frequently, and only a, maybe three times I laughed out loud in the movie. So yeah, I, I would ask each of you, how would you, how would you fix this movie? I think maybe you've already explained it a little bit, but... Alex, what what do you think would be the core way to fix it? Well, so I think the I think that it's a combination of things, but Ashvin alluded to it. I just think that the chance the rapper character is just so flawed in a variety of ways. Like if you want to make that the signature character, it needs to be on screen more. But I would also say at the same token, I thought that Chance the Rapper was probably the worst part of this movie. I thought that his acting was really bad, um, insincere when he was, he, most of his dialogue was like somewhat of like that sort of, you know, emotional pleading where you're meant to feel like he's got a lot of pain and baggage. And I just, I really didn't feel it at all. So I feel like you have to fix that character and it might be, it might involve changing who plays that role, but that would be where I'd start. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can't I'd, disagree I'd agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel yeah, like fewer characters, and to, to Alex's point, uh, spending more time with Chance the Rapper, fleshing out his character a little bit more, because yeah, it was very kind of one note, and as, as like supposedly the lead character, uh, yeah, he just felt very flat and uh, not there really. Yeah, yeah, I would say just like pick a thing to focus on. Like, yeah, maybe maybe the werewolf character should have been the thing to focus on, and yeah, maybe a bit more of his emotional journey. Or maybe the setup of the town having ghosts in it should have been more of the focus. Um, it just seemed like there were a lot of opportunities, like a lot of different ways they could have gone, and they didn't. They didn't fully explore any of them. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, a lot of half half baked ideas. Hey, what did you guys make of all the cars in it? Uh, did, did you notice like the police car was like the super old beat up car, and then uh, then other people had like more modern cars? Did you guys catch on to that? Yeah, I have that in my notes. That car is like out of Dick Tracy or something. It's like <laughs> yeah. a, a 1940s, uh, like a mobster car. They should be waving a Tommy gun out of it. But yet, like that's the that's <laughs> yeah. 
like all the cars are pe- like periodically scattered. Like the pizza guys drive in sort of like an eighties type, you know, sort of beat up car. I think somebody was driving like a pick, like a small pickup. Yeah. Inconsistent. I don't know yes. what they're trying to say with that. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I just like really a, random. a nod to the different subgenres there. Like, Maybe you've got this like police mystery story unfolding that was an homage to older movies, and then you've got this werewolf movie that's an homage to the eighties. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Um, by the way, Ashvin Half Baked. That was a. I saw a review with that as the headline: a pizza pun. Oh, really? Like undercooked <laughs> or one. underbaked or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right, well, you guys have anything else before we start to close up shop here? Well, I want to say that I, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. This is really exciting. And uh, I listen all the time. I have uh, I share all of your content and try and pub you guys up as much as possible. So congrats on all your success. You guys are really doing this the right way. It's awesome. Um, I have to say that I'm buoyed a little bit by uh, hearing Ashvin's review of this movie because I will say that most of, uh, as I'm a neuro- neurotic uh, person in general, I found myself, as I was watching this movie, feeling like I've let both of you guys down for selecting this movie that had <laughs> nothing close to the genre styles that you typically pick. And uh, to find out that you actually liked it a little bit makes me feel a whole lot better about it. So thanks for, ro- <laughs> thanks for rolling with this choice. Uh, next time we'll go with one of your picks. No, but uh, Brian's picks way worse. We, I think we regularly <laughs> choose movies that one of us or neither of us likes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no sweat there. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Alex. We we loved having you, and thanks for all of your help in our early days and and now. And yeah, it's been a blast. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, and to our Northeast Ohio listeners, uh, go visit Alex at Jukebox in the Hingetown neighborhood on the west side of Cleveland. It's a great place. Uh, I love spending time there, and it's definitely not built on top of a gateway to hell, as far as we know. <laughs> so uh, that's it for our episode on Slice. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you like the episode, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps other people find our show, and we very much appreciate it. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on our website, horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter, uh, so that you might want to check us out there if you're interested in watching the movie before we talk about it. Our logo is done by Amy May Pop Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're a business owner, instead of locating your establishment on top of a gateway to hell, be like Alex and build your business on top of quality drinks, food, and good times. Jukebox.